What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. This is Megan Judge, host of Judging Megan. I've never said it like that. That sounds so weird. It's Judging Megan with Megan Judge. Why did it sound weird the other way I said it? Anyways, I wanted to start off today's episode by thanking you, my listeners, for your reviews. It really helps people find me. I've said this before on the podcast. Um, If you are so inclined to leave Megan Judge from Judging Megan a review, please go to Apple. Wherever you listen to your podcast, if you listen on Spotify, wherever it is, um, I wanted to read a really nice review I just got in from Suzanne in New York. She said she likes the discussion. Thanks, Suzanne. I would hope so. If you write, you like, that's good. Um, I believe where there is motivation, there is initiative and direction, courage and energy. And every one of your discussions contains some sort of motivation. So I got all of these. That's why I like the discussion. Thank you, Suzanne. That's so sweet. If you don't mind, you help me like supporting my podcast, having people find me, getting more downloads, all the things that us independent podcasters like to find. Please go to Apple and leave me a review. Um, Really quickly, I'm going to tell you this story. So I went to a drag show. And if you know me, I've openly talked about my passionate love for drag. I just love it. I love drag queens. I love drag performers. I went this past weekend, which was Super Bowl weekend. Go Rams. Very exciting for Angelinos. And I just had the best time. You know, those moments in life, I'm going to bring in my guest, Dr. Nay. Um, Those moments in life where you're just like, you're at an event or you're at something and you're just like, this fills my soul. I am so complete right now. Do you know what I'm saying? I love it. I love drag. I love, love, love. And I was surrounded by my wonderful dear friends that, you know, I will say this, I'm in such a good place. A lot of this goes to thank Dr. Nay for helping me get to this place. but. you know, just surrounded by real, true, beautiful friends and having fun. And it was just like such a highlight. And then the next day, the Rams won. It was just like this perfect weekend. Um, yeah. do, you enjoy, do you enjoy drag, Dr. Nay? I do, actually. Yep. So fun, I, right? Yep, yep, yep. I remember going 4th of July. Where was where was I? On Fire Island. They mm. had a drag, um, like, like a parade. And it was amazing. Oh my God. So fun. Well, shout out Hamburger Mary's um, in West Hollywood. So fun. Best drag show. Um, I think they do it Friday and Saturday nights. And it was just like, it fed my soul. So thank you. Made me smile, made me happy. And I'm going to start the show. Well, hello, everyone. You are listening to Judging Megan. I am so excited, beyond excited, thrilled to have 
Dr. Nadine Macaluso on the podcast, reoccurring superstar, um, most amazing therapist on the planet, has put up with me for many years and all of my all of my issues. And I'm just so happy to see your beautiful face and have you on today. Oh, thank you, Megan. It's so fun to be back. I love it. Well, what was our theme song? I'm not going to do it. It was too embarrassing last time. I think you, and that's maybe why you haven't been on for so long. You're so mortified by the, the theme no, song. No, not at all. I'm excited, though, to be back. Um, well, we're going to talk about several topics today. Um, one, one of which, I'm going to start with this one. We're going to talk about Chelsea, is it Chris? Chelsea Chris. Chris. Yeah, Chris. Okay. Yeah. She is the young lady that sadly committed suicide at 30 years old on January 30th. Um, Dr. Nay and I, I've been a patient of Dr. Nay's for, how, God, is it going on like four years? It's a long time. And right now I'm in a place where I'm not in therapy every week, right? I I maybe go once a month. Um, I still need it. There's still issues that I I'm working through, but I'm in a, if you would have talked to me two years ago, ago, I, or two and a half years ago, two years ago, I was dealing with major issues of dark, deep depression and suicidal ideations and had to be put on medication. Um, but I'm one of those people that talked about it, right? I talked about the fact that I was dealing with suicidal ideations. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I've made the conscious decision to share with my audience, share with my listeners, my journey out of, of, out of getting well and dealing with my major, major issues stemming from childhood, complex PTSD, mm-hmm. all the things. But there's so many people that walk around silently on this planet dealing with major depression, don't know how to get help don't want to admit that there's something wrong, that they need help. And so I wanted to get your input on Chelsea and what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. So it, it, I mean, this is a really, I mean, of course, suicide is always sad and it's especially sad for the people that are left behind. And of course, for the person who does it. And I think why this story grabbed so many, so many people's attention is that this is a 30 year old woman who on the outside appeared not even let's just say normal, whatever that is, but happy. Mm-hmm. You know, she was, she was, um, she worked on extra and she, she was a lawyer, but she wasn't a practicing lawyer. She was Miss USA, I think. Yes. And, yeah. and I think people that knew her just maybe her image, but didn't know her as much as a person we're we're so shocked and devastated that this young, beautiful, shining light who appeared to have it all jumped 29 feet to her death. And she didn't, the thing that I found the saddest is that I think her mother came out and said that she had talked to her about being depressed, but she hadn't, like, it's not something she had spoken about. It's like, Women especially tend to, especially because she was a beautiful woman, like she seemed to be like one of those people that, you know, has it all. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, like, maybe you know why, because I know you've read up a lot about it, but she was, she turned 30 that day and committed suicide on the exact day that they turned 30, which is like devastating to me, wondering if that's, she thinks like her life of like being beautiful or like connecting mm-hmm. that was no, she part did. of the reason. Okay. So tell she, me about she did, that. She did actually, she, a year ago, she had written a, a piece for Allure where she actually states that she's worried that once she turns 30, that she's going to be a has-been. I mean, as a 54 year old woman, my heart just, it just, it weeps. 30 is like a child, right? I mean, yeah. And that that she thought that, but I mean, this girl wasn't, I mean, she, she was a, you know, a Miss America, Miss USA. I can't remember which one right now, but she was was, was Miss USA. USA, Yeah. Yeah. And then that was the year. I think there were two other African-American women that had, had one is, you know, that sort of pageant thing as well. 
but she was also, um, she ran track and won medals. Like I said, everything she did, she did at such a high level. I mean, she was a really, she was an overachiever. Right? Yeah. And, and I think that that's a thing that we really need to think about in society in that we're like, there's a great movie that uh, they make children watch called Race to Nowhere. Where's everybody going to? How many medals could she have? She had a law degree and she, she, she had won Miss USA and she just was such a high achiever and she was still so depressed. And, and I think sad. it was a combination of things. And I think yeah. that, you know, we, we value this high achieving overdoing way of being in America. And a lot of times it's to cover up an inside that feels riddled with shame, which is crazy to think that this young girl would be like that. But, the, you know, we keep compensating, compensating, doing more, doing more, doing more, doing more. And then we still feel empty inside. Well, think about the pressures like you and I are, are never were had the social media. And by the way, I literally just did an episode with a 25 year old perfectionist. Her book's called Perf. It's the episode. Oh, that just there we came go. Out. Okay. And she talks about how hard and difficult it is to be young. She was talking at one point about this eight. She felt bad about herself because she was 25 and you know, went to Penn, like super smart, top of her class in uh, at Georgetown Visitation, where my si my sister actually was her teacher. And she has this book that came out called Perf. And wow. it's just about perfectionism. And the fact that kids, like young kids now, feel like they have to achieve so much at such young ages, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it, it's it's gotten to be too much. It's gotten to be too much. And social media is, I mean, it's like everything. It's a, it's a curse and a blessing. But especially even for Chelsea, when she won Miss USA, people actually wrote horrible things to her. Like, what, like not what? pretty enough or they wrote really cruel things. Like to the her. racism part as well. Yeah. Like people yep. are racist. She, she spoke about microaggressions all the time. Yeah. And she really brought, uh, you know, she illuminated that for sure. But I mean, people are on social media and why these people think they have a right to write cruel things like you're not pretty enough. You should die. I mean, this is what people wrote to her. So she was dealing with so many things, this young, beautiful girl. And it's 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 really a tragedy. But I. I I mean, listen, I did not know her, so I can't say what I think she was feeling or thinking, but January 30th to thir turn 30 and throw yourself out of a building. She, she wanted us to be talking about all this. And that's why I feel really honored to be here today to talk to you about this, because in her memory and in her legacy, like we're, not, we're you know, just by talking about it. Hopefully, we bring awareness that you know we don't have to be perfect. Nobody's perfect, by the way. Perfect. Nobody. This only snowflakes. Only snowflakes. Okay, people, and nobody's perfect. We shouldn't strive for it. And you're all good enough the way that you are. And you're not too old if you're thirty. And please, if you're on social media, please, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. Well, I think that the bullying that comes on social media is all stems from being bullied themselves or unhappiness. It's hiding behind a hiding behind something. I mean, I'll be honest, I have caught myself saying things on social media. Usually it happens to be about politics. <laughs> um, you know, but it's not like I'm like would ever say something super mean. But I do think I do see like, you know, if you follow like the real housewives or anything like that, which I do, um, oh, people, people can be so judgmental and awful. And people need to keep in mind that these are we're we're all human beings, we're all human, we're all human. And, you know, I, yeah, what I have found is that people that are very judgmental of other people, they're also really judgmental of themselves, mm -hmm. you know, it goes both ways. So if everybody could be a little kinder to themselves and have self-compassion, you know, then hopefully they'll be kinder to others. But, you know, I just did want to say that, you know, if anybody is listening to this and you do know somebody 
who you think is suicidal or thinking about not being here anymore, the number is 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-TALK. And it's an easy number. It's a good one just to have in your pocket and just to bring awareness to this topic because it's it's happening. Are you seeing a lot of, like, my question is when people come into your practice, Yeah, I mean, I think it took me a while to tell you mm-hmm. what I, that I was having thoughts of suicide. Yeah. And again, this episode can be, I try to be honest, this episode can be triggering. Thank you for sharing that number. There's always help. There's always someone. Um, so reach out to me, follow Dr. Nay. We'll share her mm-hmm. Instagram at the end mm-hmm. of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you find that people are scared to tell their truth? Oh, sure. I mean, initially, yeah, because it takes time to trust the therapist and, mm-hmm. you know, really feel safe with the therapist. But I think that over time, just as you did, people do speak their truth and they <clears throat> have told me if they've had suicidal ideations. And then I always have to say, you know, do you have a means? Do you have a plan? And really suss it out to make sure. And actually this year I had to do a six hour continuing education class on it with the state of California, which is really good because it is in the zeitgeist because we've all just gone through a major trauma with COVID. Yeah. I mean, it's probably like higher and worse than it's ever been. And then not to mention the fact that teenagers bring social media into this again. There's so much pressure as women, as women and young teens. Like I remember being young and idolizing like Cindy Crawford and, you know, right. What was her name? The model Kate, really skinny. I can't remember. I'm blanking on her name. Oh, I mean, I knew like those Cindy Crawford and all Chrissy Turlington. Yeah, Linda Evangelista, that whole crew. Yeah, and we would just, but we would see it in magazines, right? So it was, it was different. It was like not shoved in our faces. There weren't filters. There was no such thing. And I'm guilty of using filters. Um, in fact, like one of my friends called me last night, pretty, it was pretty funny. I haven't seen her in a while. And she was like, Megan, what did you do to your face? And I was like, that's a filter. Um, there's a filter on my face because I had no makeup on. And I really wanted to do this post about how Valentine's day, I think, you know, not to take a turn, but some of these holidays, all this stuff is tied in by the way. I remember being like single before I met my husband. And like, I always was like dating somebody, but I remember like Valentine's day one year came up. I was living in West Hollywood. I was single. I remember being so devastated and depressed because I didn't have a boyfriend and all this stuff's just like thrown in your face. Like, you know, like everything else, it's like, we have to have these like perfect lives and like take pictures of our flowers and Say how in love we are. And it's like, but this is just one stupid day that's like a hallmark holiday, you know? Yes. And that whole pressure thing and the whole comparison thing is real. And the number one way to be depressed is to compare. Yeah. That's one of the number one ways to stay depressed um, because there'll always be somebody richer, skinnier, prettier, smarter, taller, whatever it is, you know, but we can't do that because we're simply us and And therapy is coming to acceptance. Yeah. I think the best thing too is like, I've done a lot of work on myself, which I talk about, but like, I hated my, I hated my insights. I hated myself, Um, which I've talked to you about. It stems from like childhood. It stems from all kinds of things. And yeah, I'm not getting any younger. We're not getting younger. Like I I openly admit that I do stuff to my face. I'm trying to stay as young looking as I can, but I know that I'm aging. I know that we're aging and I, I really want to work on my insides and like being kind and doing all the things that will make me like myself. And I think you're probably on the same path. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. Aging is also a gift. I know we don't get to live forever, you know? So I say though, I say that I wish, like if I could have one wish, I wish that I could like be where I am in my mind, but look like I did 
Right. Like when I was like 25, you right. know, <laughs> right. you just wasted on the young sister. I, I know love myself at 54 more than I liked myself at 34. I was not, I was an idiot. Well, let's talk about yeah. that. By the way, you're also gorge. So like, of course, <laughs> like you're you one know, of them. But, but I just think that it's, it's just these, these young girls and just like you said, you're working on your inside here was this beautiful, beautiful woman who just was just a beam of light on the outside. And she felt so bad on the inside. Which and is so, so, which so is so sad, sad, right? So sad. And, and yeah, like, man, may she rest in peace. Yeah. Um, let's take a turn into let's the take next a turn. topic. Take a turn. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I feel like this is a very fitting topic for you because you were, which I didn't mention in the beginning, but Dr. Nay has been on multiple episodes of the podcast. She is the real life Margot Robbie. So in the, the movie, The Wolf of Wall <laughs> Megan Street. Megan can't say that without laughing. Well, because well, I don't know how else to say it, but like, Right? Because the yes. actress that played you was Margot Robbie, but you're not really Margot Robbie. So that is a w- really weird way of describing right. it. Margot um, Robbie played me. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Margot Robbie played you in in a giant blockbuster movie called The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, Dr. Nay, what goes by Dr. Nay, um, in the movie, they changed your name to Naomi, Naomi, right? Yeah. Okay. And you were married to Jordan Balfour and have two beautiful children. Mm -hmm. But you also are a former model, did commercials. Beautiful Mm -hmm. woman living in New York. So I want to talk about this docu-series called Secrets of Playboy and how deeply upsetting it is to me (laughs) and how I, when I was young, believe it or not, I, when I moved here, I considered testing for Playboy. I don't know like your story. Yeah. I didn't know that. No, no. Yeah, and I. We just never discussed that. I like. I've never talked about it because it's hard to believe that (laughs) I did. Looking at my figure now, but that aside, um, I was approached by somebody. I was like probably twenty four years old. I went to the old Playboy offices, which were above the Mercedes dealership in Hollywood, and like talked to this kind of like creepy man. And talked for a while. He was super nice, like gave me his card, like was like, think about it. And I remember <laughs> in my head, I was, I was really like, thought it was the best thing ever. Cause I was obsessed in like high school and college with Pamela Anderson and like Nicole yeah. 
like all those like Playboy yeah, Nicole Smith, like, right? Nicole Smith, yeah. And Nicole Smith, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, and all I could think of was my dad was an orthodontist and passed away, and I was like, oh, gross! Like I don't want to be naked and like have old men like creeping and looking at my, my naked figure. This was when my boobs were like really good and high and natural, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, so. I'm, I watched this documentary or this docu-series. I've been watching it. And I'm like, thank you, baby Jesus, for not like for the decision that I made. And I'm sure you can relate to this because I'm guessing you were approached to do something living yeah. in New York. Yeah. So tell me about that. Tell me your thoughts on this, on this docu-series. Yeah, I watched that. And it's, it's, um, it's a great watch if, if somebody wants to, you know, if you want to get disturbed for sure. Yeah, because I mean, when I grew up, Playboy was what they say the girl next door, yeah. right? Like that he he had revolutionized sex and that he had made sex normal and that sex was good and women could enjoy sex too. Yeah, great, great Hugh. But nobody said that what he was doing was finding these girls that you know, let's say he was 59 or 49 however and finding these 19 year old girls and seducing them and saying welcome to the family and then grooming them and then having sex with this person for a year but then like having then having orgies and having drugs and having animals and reality oh yeah yeah, And, and it was a real process of him um pretending that he cared and he was definitely clearly a severe sex addict <laughs> and, a, and well, a very dominating, controlling, sadistic person. Well, I watched it and all my memories were this, this is the greatest thing ever. Like if you make it to Playboy, even being like a young cocktail waitress in, in West Hollywood, which was like the scene I was in, I can remember them coming in because they would always go out on like Wednesday nights. And they would come in, he would come in with like five girls. This was before. Oh, like, really? Yeah. This was before the girl, whatever the show was, the girl next oh, door. Oh, the girl next door. Yep. She was on yeah. the Holly Madison. And he yep. would come in and they would sit in like the VIP section and just like sit there. And it was like him and these like young 20 something, all bleach blonde. Yeah. And I, at the time I was just like, oh, that's so interesting. I didn't think anything of it because- Living in LA, being young, you're like, all you want to do is go to the Playboy Mansion. Right, right. You know, like it was like, oh, I want to get invited to these parties. All the celebrities are there. It's like an obsession. But you did, when I watched this docuseries, they talk about how they were drugging them with like quaaludes, Mm -hmm. um, the the bunnies that, that worked at like the Century City, like Bunny Club and the Chicago one and the New York one. They were all like, so when they were in the club, they were, nobody was allowed to touch them. It was like hands off. Right. 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 But once they left, it was like game on, like there was no protection for these young women. Right. Right. And it was so deeply disturbing to me and also broke this like thing where I never even thought about, like, you never heard anything bad about the playmate. Never. Right. No, no, you didn't. You didn't. And and I have to give it to him in the sense that he really did create this intense facade of just this crazy, just luxurious fantasy with these beautiful women who were respected and he respected them and everything was just, you know, above board at the mansion. And that's what I really thought. I mean, I was no expert on any of this at that point, of course, but that's really what I did think. And then to watch the docu-series, and then I watched the last episode last night, was 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 a very different story. And right, that bubble got burst. And just know. the fact that when they would walk in, and I'm not trying to give away the whole docu-series, no. but I think it's really imp- important for young women, especially to watch this this docu-series. We as Americans especially have such an obsession with our physical appearance, which is tied into our beginning story about how you have to look perfect, have the perfect figure. You know, everybody now is like getting BBLs and, you know, and like all the things that women do just to try to stay perfect looking. Yeah. But behind this all is like 
I hate to say this, but there men are can be <laughs> what is the word I'm trying to say? In case I have op- any men op- that oper- opportunistic. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, and they're glorified over like it's it seems like it's like a cool thing to, you know, you just want the hottest woman, but they say, what is the saying? It's something like everyone is every man is tired of sleeping with a woman no matter what she looks like at some point. Right. 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 And so like talking about Hugh Hefner, I mean, he was evil and I watched this documentary and I don't care. Like, like allegedly, by the way, just because I don't know facts, but these women that came forward, some of them worked for him. Some of them were like one lady was his ex-girlfriend for five years. She said she came into the mansion a naive 19 year old that taught Bible study and left a cocaine addict emaciated and traumatized and was like basically like a drug mule for him because you know what I'm saying? It was just like, yeah, yeah. he would, he would, I mean, this, that was the one I saw last night where, you know, she came to the mansion, this 19 year old, naive, beautiful young girl, gorgeous, so, you know, so hopeful, yeah, you know, just full of hope. And, and not looking for anything, but to, I guess to be a Playboy bunny, which again at the time was thought of as this esteemed thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then the, but the more time she was there, then he just started to groom her and the whole thing started to change on her. And nobody, I never knew that any of that was going on. And clearly they're very, you know, the, what, what it said at the end of it is that, um, I guess like, the, the Playboy Mansion or the Playboy is not so like they they they've changed they they they've changed their whole image they don't want to be associated mm-hmm. with anything like that the the family right yeah does, does not want anything to do with it because it's it's very disturbing and I think it's a really important cautionary tale in that you know yes it is certainly fun to be young and beautiful right but it's just like anything if you if that naivete falls into the wrong hands it can damage you for the rest of your life and the saddest thing to me was this woman who's still like she's probably in her 60s i would guess because i was trying to do the math on it yeah and at the end of the episode i literally cried at the end she said all i want is to be loved i want to find my soulmate i want to be i just want to be loved it's never too late you know and it broke my heart because she, he broke her down so badly that all of these years later, the damage is still there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And that, that's the point is that we all have a need to belong. We all have a need to matter. And so he really took advantage of that need for belonging with we're a family, welcome to the family and, and really seducing them with this basic need that we all have for belonging and acceptance. And they had no idea. And and the the sad part is that he was so manipulative and intentionally manipulated and took advantage of all of these young women. And we all bought into it, myself included. I mean, well, I did on TV you see like, oh my God, that looks so awesome. It looks like a sorority <laughs> of like these really pretty women and they're like roller skating together and they have all these like weekend parties. And like little do you know that like, you know, she was talking about like smiling in pictures and in her in her ear, he was like, Go find a young, like newbie basically to come and have an orgy with us. Right. Which, you know, for her, she's like, I, I'm not even, I wasn't even bisexual. I wasn't a lesbian. There were, there were limbs. Like she was caught in these like horrific, yeah. like sex rooms basically. And he would like let his friends come in. And some of these men that were frequenting the Playboy Mansion were like Bill Cosby. Like, yeah. you know, they tell the story about the one guy from the Soul Train, which, do you I remember that? that? I didn't see. I didn't see that part. But he's, you know, and and Hugh is really what also, uh, you know, I've become an expert on, which is the dark tetrad. Because, yes, talk right? about that. Because, talk about so, that. Yeah, because he was highly narcissistic. I mean, he definitely had grandiosity. He's like, I deserve to be seen as a great personality. He was attention seeking. I have a natural talent for influencing people. 
but then he was interpersonally exploitative completely. And he was Machiavellian in that he was so manipulative and he was totally a sadist. I mean, I don't even want to give away some of the things that I learned about on the show that he did with animals and harming animals on the last one. And then the last part is he's a psychopath because he has crazy stress immunity. He's a huge leader, but, and he's very impulsive. He's very sensation seeking, which is what all psychopaths are. And he's incredibly callous and insensitive to these young girls. So he's a true dark tetrad that we all bought this, like, this different version of him. And, and like all the, all the um, like charity events, like all this stuff. I think that like being male, right. And you can relate to this because of what you went through with Jordan yep. and your yep. marriage. Men idolized Hugh Hefner, you know, with the robe and the cigar. And it's like, <laughs> that's what you're supposed to have. You're supposed to have a young, hot blonde. How many people do you hear about like wealthy men that are getting divorced in their forties and fifties? That's like the American dream. You're supposed to have a young, you know, if you leave Mm -hmm. your wife or whatever you do, then you go for somebody super young. And it was a lot of this influence was influenced by Hugh Hefner. I mean, yeah, let's be real. Because women, women were objects to him. I mean, you might as well have just had them in on, come in on a conveyor belt. I'll take this one. I'll trade this one for this one. I mean, that's what women were objects to him. They were not people with souls and feelings and hearts and, 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 you know, insides like we were talking about. These women had insides. Yeah. I mean, they were young, young girls. I mean, like I've openly talked about, and you know, we've talked about your brain isn't even fully developed until you're 25 years old. That's right. And they, they were all 19, 20, 21. Completely yeah. impressionable, completely naive. He had sold them the bill that, you know, the Playboy is this upper class thing and that it's for the girl next door and there's nothing, I don't even know what the word would be, but there's just nothing um, tainted about it, maybe. And that was not the truth. So I'm sorry well, I, to anybody who endured that, first of all. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, it's like you just want to like find all these women and give them a hug. I mean, there's so many of them too that have come forward and, you know, like met even like I think the butler like has come forward. Oh, yeah. They've all, they've all, they're all very, everybody who was involved with it. Is yeah. Very sad right now. And I think it also goes back to, you know, a lot of people when they come to therapy and they're, they feel this, they feel that, they don't know, they think, they overthink. It's like, okay, but what are your values, right? What At the end of the day, when we strip you of everything, what do you value? And I don't really know what Hugh Hefner valued. I, I think what Hugh Hefner valued, exploiting people for his own personal needs for power, status, wealth, and pleasure. That's well, I think too... Stuff. It stems from like everything stems from childhood, right? And it sounds to me, I don't, they don't really talk about his childhood, but I know he was in love with this young girl when he was in high school and she wasn't into him. And so I think, yeah, and I think in a a conservative home. Yeah. Um, But you know, I don't know. He just, he, the, the exploitation of other people for his own pleasure with that callousness. Yeah, that was, that was hard to watch, but I mean, I recommend it because it it is a good lesson. I recommend it too. And I think it's so important for young girls to see, because it really kind of like popped the bubble for me of my obsession. Like I always loved Marilyn Monroe. My, like, since I was a little girl, I've, I was like, Oh, I want to be like famous someday. And, you know, and yet she was the first cover model for Playboy made the choice of, you know, um, taking her clothes off, getting in the magazine. And yet she was suffering and being like, you know, same thing. Like she was like an object and a tool and like, you know, JFK, like all these men were, Mm -hmm. you know, who knows what really happened to her and why she really died. I, I personally think she was probably somebody was involved with her death and it wasn't drugs. Yeah. Um, right. But, but it goes, it all goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning. It's like, you know, let's, like, it doesn't, 
the outsides and just like Hugh Hefner's, we thought this Playboy Mansion, this outside, it portrayed this wonderful magic fairyland. No, right? It's it was a torture chamber inside for these men, for these women, and you, we can't just believe what things appear to be on their outsides. And it goes for us too. We're much more than that. Yeah, we're much think, more than that. And I think, like, I'm hoping that all of the stuff that we've gone through in COVID, and then hearing about Chelsea Christ, like all of these people that. It's so important that we talk about problems and we address things that are injustices and not right in our culture. And I feel like we don't hear about this in other cultures. You know, maybe I'm naive, but I don't think that people in other cultures are the same way that we are in America about like, you know, you have to have everything. You have to have money. You have to have the nicest things. You have to have, you know, the best purses and the best house and you know and meanwhile the foundation is cracking of like who we are as people but as long as we have and believe me like we've talked about this before I like nice things just as much as everyone else but the found but what I found that I know about myself is a lot of times those things that I'm obsessed with like whether it be a purse or shoes or a dress is really just like a band-aid for what I might be dealing with on the inside, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, of course, the, the objects can be fun, but they're simply that. They're objects. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, we, we can't converse with them. We can't get to know them. We can't have a deep connection with them. And I do think that, you know, we can get very distracted by them. And again, everything in balance. Yeah. Everything in balance. I I I do have a question being a mother of a yeah. of a young man which mm-hmm. I think I I have daughters. Yeah. So who knows what I'm going to teach my children it's terrifying because they're you know <laughs> 12 and 8. But what like what are things that like as a mother you try to teach your son because I know he has like an, a lot of pressure on him just for like what he does and like his dad yeah. and like, yeah, what are you know, things? he's, he's, I always say to people, you know, children do what you do and they become how you behave really. Mm-hmm. So he's a lovely young man. I mean, he's just the opposite of all of this. Yeah. He really is. I mean, probably it doesn't help that he has four sisters so that they kick his ass if he wasn't, <laughs> but, um, but no, he's just a lovely young man and he respects women and he values women and he's kind to women and he's a great son and he's a great brother and he's he's a fine young man there are out there and i think there's a a very beautiful generation of young men coming up i see it with my son-in-law my two son-in-laws actually um and my other daughter has has a really lovely uh, boyfriend that these men are different they really are they're they're kind they're good they're very respectful i mean at least in front of me because they know i'd kill them but They are. Yeah. And I just think that that's how he was raised, just how he was raised to be kind and respect women. It's that. Well, it comes from the home, right? Mm -hmm. Like what you're being taught. But I do think that I do especially think that men of like older men, there there are really good guys out there. I should say that. But there but I do think he was Hugh Hefner with such an influence on men when I was growing up, like in the way they treated women, like just as objects. And it is so important that we teach our young men and Mm -hmm. boys that women aren't objects. We're smart. We deserve the same salaries. We deserve the same things that men do. And I hope that when people watch this docuseries, I hate to like talk about it more. They really understand that this person was a monster. Like he was not a good human. He was hiding behind, like throwing money to charities, which I think a lot of people do. And, you know, it was like a mob mentality where he was paying people off and had like, you know, like detect, he was in bed with like the LAPD, like all these people thought he was just this God and would listen to him. So Mm -hmm. I, I, 
I really wanted to talk about that episode or the docuseries because I think it's really important for women, young girls, well, young girls can't watch it, but someday to learn mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the outside and what we look like, which we talk about, talked quite a bit about in the beginning, is not the most important thing. I mean, it beauty fades and working on your insides is 100% so much more important, right? So much more important. Yeah. And I mean, listen, beauty is fun, but it's that's all it is. That's yeah. All it is. It's just fun. And, you know, makeup's fun, clothes are fun, all that stuff is fun. But, you know, we're here for more than that, for sure. And yeah, working on your insides, what are your values? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to leave with your life? Like you're doing your podcast. You know, if we even look at that as an example, when you came to therapy and you you were feeling despondent and sad, and I think you just started to talk about it. I was like, do it. Yeah. And you did it. And look how fulfilling it's been for you. Right. And that's really been a big part of your growth is doing something that you feel like makes a difference. Yeah. And also, I think that it's like we get to a point and we're just like, you know, I made the decision, thanks to you, by the way, because <laughs> because you told me years ago in 2020 was when I started it, was, you know, I wanted to be creative. I missed that piece of my life. I missed that was part of my identity for so much of my life. And then I got to a point where I was just like, you know, everyone hates me. I mean, people don't hate me now. I mean, or maybe they do. And that's their problem. I really could give two shits. But, right, but you were working in a career that meant nothing to you. Yeah. It wasn't fulfilling. Yeah. Like going through that major like friend issue. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like the perfect storm of a shit show that you could ever imagine. <laughs> and then to be able to like look back and and like pull myself out of like the darkest, darkest times that I can ever I can't even really describe it to people unless they've been there, which I know you've had the darkest times too. Mm -hmm. But just Mm -hmm. to like circling back to the Chelsea Chris story, just to know that you have a choice, you have a choice. It's Mm -hmm. not always easy. You also have to look in the mirror and hold yourself accountable. Right. Which took me me quite a long time. (laughs) And then when I look back on, where I was when I started with you. I mean, literally like going in therapy and ugly crying for an hour (laughs) and where I've pulled myself to with your help, it can be done. So I can't be done. Yeah. I can't reiterate that enough to listeners. If you're listening and you're in like a really dark place or you've gone through like the loss of a loved one or any of the things that you go through in life is that happens to everyone at some point. There's always hope and it's not easy, but you have to do the work, right? You do. You do. And I think that if we look at anxiety and depression as more love letters from your soul saying, guess what? You've lost your way. Come back home. That's mm-hmm. what I think of them as. You know, they're they're like knocking, like, come on something's missing. We need to work on this. We need to work on that. We need to grow. And then like you can do, you can face it, become accountable, learning, grow, and then apply that knowledge and to something that you find fulfilling. And you did that and it's not easy, but it can be done. It can be done. And Dr. Nay, I would like to tell you, like I've told you this before, you're my idol. Um, I love you to pieces. I think everybody, like, again, I've said this before, and it's really important. Finding a therapist, which we talk about every time you come on, yeah, is like dating, right? Yes. So I dated a bunch of like frogs that were therapists <laughs> it, throughout my life. And then one day, I walked into this magical office <laughs> with like faux fur and like Chanel like books <laughs> and like this amazing, beautiful woman who just got me, like had me yeah. like the minute I met her, I knew that somebody was going to help me get out of this dark place. So I want my listeners to know like therapy is so important. It can save your life. It saved my life. And you might have to date a bunch of frogs 
to find the right therapist. That's right. You might have to. And I mentioned this last time too. And I always want to mention again, I know therapy is expensive, but like I said last time, I had to do 3000 hours at five to $10 an hour to get my license. Sure. So whatever state you're listening in, find out where the therapists are training in your area and go to them. Oh, that's you can get affordable therapy. That's you can, such right? a great the, the, the training therapists need the hours. The people need the therapy. Let's put them together. And nobody talks about that. Not because it's like going to put like anyone out of business because there's no, so much no, help with not enough therapists in the world right now. I mean, you yeah. have like a waiting list, you know, like not everybody can. So, um, that's such a good idea because therapy can be so expensive. And again, don't get me started, but this should be in our the United States. Mental health should be a free service. Yes, yes, yes. And and so that's what I'm saying. If you feel like you're a therapy and I'd like to go to therapy, but I know it's so expensive, you know what, whatever state you're in, find out where your local training therapists are because they're all over. They're at universities, they're at clinics, they're working out of the back of churches and find them. And it doesn't matter that they're not perfectly trained because the research shows what Megan said. If you connect with someone and you walk into an accepting, unjudgmental space, you're going to get better just simply by that. Yeah. yeah. And and there's always help. Where can my where can my listeners find you? What's okay, so they could go. My Instagram is Dr. Nay, N-A-E, L-M-F-T. And my website is uh, nadinemacaluso.com. And that's it, Meg. Well, I love you to pieces and I just am so grateful that like, I believe everything happens for a reason. I say it all the time. There's a reason why I was connected with you as my therapist. And I'm so grateful that you come on my podcast and always share your wisdom. Um, But in closing, um, my dad who passed away when I was 13 used to say, be happy by making other people happy. And that's what, how I close every show now, because I think that the world would be so much better if we all just tried to help each other and do the right thing. And so I'm going to tell you today, do something kind, help others, do something nice for somebody else, whether it be just a hello or whatever it is, but be happy by making others happy. And thank you, Dr. Nay. You're a bright light that's much, much needed in this world. Oh, thank you for having me on. I love it. Take care. Bye. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.